As we begin this uh, season of Lent, this first Sunday of Lent, we're uh, going to be spending some time, as uh, Chris mentioned, uh, really praying together. Um, praying together here and in, in different uh, prayer gatherings uh, throughout the time and just praying with not only with uh, one another but with thousands of Christians in hundreds and hundreds of churches around the country as we uh, pray through this uh, particular guide that really does expand our uh, um, understanding and even experience of seeking God for ourselves, for our communities, uh, for our world. And the, the first point of catching on with God's momentum, and that's really what prayer is. It's not that we're, we're trying to somehow negotiate with God or twist God's arm to get what we want. But prayer is really coming into relationship with the living God so that we catch on what God is doing. And, and we are caught up in the Spirit, in, in God's momentum that has been pursuing the salvation of the world since, uh, since the fall, even the beginning of time. And what we start with, with prayer is we start with ourselves. Uh, we, we pray for our own renewal, for our own revival. You know, if, if people in the desert often get dehydrated, but don't realize it. You know, when your, your, your body's working like it's supposed to, but it's dry around you, then you're, you're, you're perspiring or you're sweating. But you don't feel it because the air is dry around you and your body's doing what it's supposed to be doing. But if you don't rehydrate regularly, then you'll faint or things will start to not work like they're supposed to. And when you're in the desert, and, I, and I've been with folks in the desert where you just... Nah, I'm not thirsty. I don't feel thirsty. I'm okay. And the next thing you know, they're laid out on the ground, dehydrated. And as nutritionists and physicians will tell us, if you wait till you feel thirsty, it's too late. Today, our focus is on spiritual dehydration. A time of stopping and, and, and taking a look at ourselves and asking, am I thirsty? Am I alive in Christ? Do, do, do I feel that, that, that energy of knowing that my sins are forgiven, that I'm in line with what God is doing in our midst? Is the power of the Spirit alive in my soul? One of the ways that we, we know that is through our through the fruit of our lives, through the fruit of the Spirit. And that's what the Scriptures tell us, uh, that there's a sign of the Spirit in our midst is through His fruit. Paul tells us in Galatians 5 that the, the fruit of the Spirit is seen in, in how our character is being formed and, and changing, uh, being as we uh, live out that fruit of love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We'll see that the Spirit at work in us as we see that fruit being lived out in our lives as we're growing in that character of Christ. We'll, we'll see that fruit just in the energy of, uh, within us of that desire, that longing to be with Christ. 
And we'll see that that fruit as it shows itself in our relationships with non-Christians or with young Christians. That, that, That fruit within us of the Spirit that leads us to pour our lives into others that either don't know Him or are young in Him. And so today is a good day to ask the question, is that fruit being born in your life? Is that, that fruit of the Spirit being born in your life by your, your character, uh, by your, your desire in your relationships? Or, when you stop and take a look, do you recognize you're spiritually dehydrated? Stuck in a malaise. You're just going through the motions. That's the question that we'll pursue today. The passage that we'll look at, so we'll look at two. One is in Isaiah 43 and the other is in John 7. I invite you to turn with me to page 587 for Isaiah 43. And then you can jump over to John 7. It's on page 869. Or you can... Follow along on the screen. Isaiah 44, 3 through 5. Let's uh, pray together. Gracious God, thank you for your written word. Speak to us as we've been singing. Let us know that you are here. Guide us, direct us. Encourage us, convict us for your glory. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Isaiah 44, verses 3 through 5. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. They shall spring up like a green tamarisk, like willows by flowing streams. This one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will be called by the name of Jacob. Yet another will write on the hand, the Lord's, and adopt the name of Israel. In John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38. On the last day of the festival, the great day, while Jesus was standing there, he cried out, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me, and let the one who believes in me drink. As the scripture has said, out of the believer's heart shall flow rivers of living water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. See, God wants us to be renewed. He wants us to be revived. He doesn't want us just to be going through the motions. 
God desires for those living waters to be flowing through us. He desires for the, the power of the Spirit that, that, that hovered over the, the formless and void nature of the world and, and hovered over them and made life out of nothing. He desires for that Spirit to be alive in us. So He says, come to me. Come to me, as, as we've read already, come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, who are burdened. My yoke is easy, my burden is light. Come to me, he says. Come to me, I will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And this is an extremely important question that we answer honestly for ourselves. Am I alive in Christ? Is His Spirit really flowing through me? Is that river flowing through me? Is the fruit of His Spirit seen in my life, in my character, in my relationships with others, and that longing for Him? That's His desire, and that's simply His invitation if you find yourself today spiritually dehydrated. If you find yourself having just going, find yourself going through the motions. Two other passages, events in the biblical story came to mind as I thought about this. Us as those that seek to follow Christ, asking if we've been renewed, if we're revived in Him, or if we're stuck, if we're in a malaise in Christ. One was the story of the, the events that happened with Peter. The Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' closest apostles. I mean, he was in the top three in the class of, of the twelve. And we, we know as we recount and remember the events at the crucifixion. Those events that we were recounting regularly here during the season of Lent. And Peter had followed Jesus, if you recall. He'd followed him as, as, as he was arrested and as he was taken into court and he was brought before the people as he was then hung on the cross with, with two thieves to, beside him. And Peter gathered with the crowd around. And, I mean, imagine all this going through Peter's mind that here's his Lord and Savior, the one he'd given three years of his life to, hanging on the cross, suffocating to death had to be filled with chaos inside and confusion and, and anger, disappointment, distress. Because this is not how it was supposed to happen. But he was there. And then, in, in the crowd, someone came up to Peter. Peter! Or, well, I'm sorry, he didn't know his name. She didn't know his name. Hey, you, aren't you a friend of his? Weren't you one of his followers? which Peter, in the moment, in the chaos and the confusion, denied Jesus to his face. No! Never knew the guy! Was asked that two other times. And with more and more strength, Peter responded, No! I didn't know the guy! And then he connected vision with Jesus. 
And he realized the depth of his sin. And he was broken. And he ran and wept. Spiritually distraught. Spiritually bankrupt. Peter found himself. So much so that even the power of the resurrection didn't bring him healing. Thought he was done. Thought his his ministry was complete. He was just going to go hang out, coast as a fisherman for the rest of his life. Because he had been disqualified. One of my favorite passages... It's in John chapter 21, verse 15 and on. It's after the resurrection, after Peter had already seen Jesus in a risen form. Peter was though, he was out fishing. Just hanging out, gone back to his old way of life. Just coasting through until it all came to a close. And Jesus comes up to Peter. Glances those same eyes that looked at him from Golgotha, from the cross, on the day that he denied him. And he asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Three times he asked him that. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know it. Feed my sheep. Peter was in a spiritual wasteland. And Jesus looked him eye to eye and just said, Peter, do you love me? Yes. Then you're qualified. Go. Feed my sheep. Friends, no matter the spiritual wasteland you might find yourself in because of your own sin, because of your disobedience of God that may have even happened this morning, may have even continued this morning, I don't care what it is, you denied Jesus to His face. He comes to you and says the same thing that He said to Peter. And Peter was renewed. Peter was revived. Peter was made alive again. He was hydrated spiritually. And the rest of the story goes on through the book of Acts. And and what really catches my attention here is the command that Jesus gave to Peter. Go feed my sheep. Go be in relationships with those that don't know me or who are young in me and you pour yourself into them. That will bring that renewal. It will be a sign and it will feed that renewal within you. Go feed the sheep. Go out there. Stop moping around. Stop navel gazing. Go get out there. Be in relationship with people that don't know me or who are young in me so that you can feed them because there you will be renewed and revived. Last uh, Sunday, we had a baptism just like we do this Sunday. 
And uh, I don't know where, who you were talking to, Ann, but Ann Clifford was up here sharing about her relationship with Bobby Forsman. And uh, my children and I had the privilege of going to, to lunch with them and a number of other words afterwards. And one of my children was talking to Ann about and just the, the energy that Bobby had up here. I mean, she, she was dancing. She was screaming because of the freedom of the, the shackles being let loose. And in some way, I don't know exactly how you, you said this, Ann, so, but this is how it got back to me. Old Christians need to be in relationship with new Christians. So that we remember that we're in touch with what we can become calloused to. That freedom that comes in Jesus Christ. That the shackles are broken. Oh, forgive us, Lord, for just in the malaise, just trying to be okay. Forgive us for just trying to make it through the day. When you've brought freedom to the world. When you've brought freedom from sin. Not just freedom from guilt, but freedom from sin. Forgive us. When we get caught in our own self-pity. From our own sin and brokenness. Or if we try to hide it or we justify it instead of coming clean. It might even be best for us if like Peter, our sin is made known to the whole world so that we can't hide from it anymore. And we just come to Jesus and he says, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. The other passage that came to mind was the passage in Revelation when John was writing to the different churches, been spending a lot of time in Revelation lately in the foundational hour. And it's in the end, the last church that he talks to in Revelation 3 is the church in Laodicea. And the church in Laodicea was really successful. They were wealthy, they were strong, they had a lot of people, they they did good things. But they were spiritually dehydrated and didn't know it. And, And Jesus tells them, you're in a rut. You're stuck. You're just making it through. You're just coasting through. You're resting on your laurels instead of pursuing me with all your heart. And it's in that passage, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, where Jesus says, this is a rather famous passage that we hear a lot, where Jesus tells the says to the church in Laodicea, Listen, I am standing at the door, knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. And we use that passage evangelistically with non-believers. That's not how Jesus used it. Jesus was not speaking to non-believers when he said, Behold, listen, I stand at the door and knock. He was talking to people like me and you. He was talking to believers. People who have got into the habit of living the Christian life without Jesus. He says, hey, wait a minute. You know, the whole purpose isn't to follow a set of rules or do a certain set of religious things. Your purpose is to be in relationship with me. I'm the essence of life. Abide in me. I'm standing at the door. Let me in. Maybe the spiritual dehydration is like Peter. It's because of a sin that's overtaken you. Or it may just be you've just slowly 
settled in a path and in a habit that is not alive with Christ, but just sort of going through the motions. And Jesus is saying to you, hey, let me in. Let, let, let me in. Let, let's, let's eat together. Let's play together. Let's, let, let's live together. Live in me. See, friends, Jesus is not a condiment for life. He's not spicy mustard that gives the coney a nice little bite. Or he's not a good barbecue sauce that gives the pork a nice kick. He is the essence of life. And he wants to be alive in us. He wants that water, those waters to be, to be flowing in and, and through us. And friends, that is the very purpose of the church. Is that we are helping, encouraging, helping one another, challenging one another. So that we are growing in Christ, that we are growing deeper in Him, that the fruit of the Spirit is, is making itself known, is being born in our life. That is our purpose. And I don't care what all we do. If we are not doing that primary thing, we are not fulfilling the very purpose of being a church of Jesus Christ. That's why we take the reveal study. Every couple years. It's a, it's a way of, of measuring our, our spiritual hydration, if you will. It's a way of saying, are we as a, a community growing in Christ? Are we spiritually deepening? Uh, is the fruit of the Spirit being born in our life? Are we in relationships where we're pouring ourselves into others? Is there a hunger and a depth for Jesus? If not, why not? And, and how do we help one another to grow in that way? And you'll, you'll see in your, your Hoff Press last week, your bulletin, that we'll be doing that starting next Sunday as a way to, to measure best we can. Are we spiritually hydrated? Are we spiritually alive? Because we don't want to just be okay, just sort of making it through. Now, e each one of you has then in your uh, um, bulletin a card. Uh, if you don't have one, the ushers will bring you one. But you should have one, and it's blank on the back. Now, the, the way that we pursue renewal, the way that we pursue revival as a church is that we, we pray. We pray for uh, one another. And that's what th this is going to be. It's a way that we pray for one another. Now, do not write your name or anybody else's name on this. Don't write anybody's name or anybody else's name on this. If you uh, need one of the cards, Marion has one to, to give to you. Chris needs one over here. And what I'm going to ask you to do now is just pray, is just write on here, a praise and or a need. It can be both. be one of each or just one. What's a, a, if it's a praise, a way you see the, the fruit of the Spirit being alive in you. That's not boasting. That's giving thanks to God because that fruit doesn't come because you've tried harder. It's come because God is alive in you and we, we want to praise that. Again, don't write your name or anybody else's name on there. And then I want to write... And if, uh, if it's not a praise, then write a need. 
What is your need for revival? Your need for renewal? What is your, your cry to God for renewal? Again, don't write anything that would identify yourself or anybody else on there. And what I'm going to ask that you do is you put this in the plate, and then before we leave, we're going to pass them back out. And over the course of the week, you're going to have a card, and you're going to pray for that card. You don't know who it is. God does. And what's important isn't the the accuracy or power of your prayers. What's important is the accuracy and power of the one to whom you pray. But it's a way for us to pray for one another, for God's Spirit to flow through us like Jesus says it will. Again, just a praise and or a need around renewal, revival in your own life. As you're, you're doing that, do want to uh, just highlight as well some things during the course of Lent. Um, during the month of March, uh, the session and the kindling prayer team will be leading uh, prayer meetings for the church at 7 o'clock, the Wednesday nights through March, and invite anyone and everyone to come to those times of prayer. We pray for uh, our uh, church to be fulfilling God's purposes. Also going to ask you and invite you this season of Lent, these next five weeks, to skip one meal a week to fast for the purpose of prayer. We, we fast because we recognize the urgency of the moment for our own renewal in Christ. So we skip a meal in order to, to demonstrate the urgency of the moment to seek God in praying for His renewal power, His Spirit to truly flow through us like an ever-flowing stream. And then... As mentioned already, invite you through the prayer book, through, through Lent, and uh, invite you then this week. And each week we'll have another little help, a specific thing that we'll pray for during the course of the week. And today, this week, we're praying for one another, particularly the praise or the need of renewal in our own lives. When I was, uh, I would go camping. My favorite thing to do was get up early in the morning and, and go to the fire pit, the ash heap, and blow on the ashes. <clears throat> it, was, it was. It was cool. Because you know what? Underneath those ashes, somewhere, there was an ember. And if you, you blew those ashes away, you, you got to that. It looked dead. It, it looked like it was a dead piece of wood, all gray. But you blew on it. Whew, it would start to breathe with you, you know. It would start to breathe. And it would start to get a little color and, and orange. And then you get a little bit of the, uh, some of the leaves around it, the pine straw. You get some little twigs and you put it on it. You blow on it and it would start to smoke, smolder a little more. Blow a little more and then a little flame. You put the, put the kindling on there and it gets going. And the next thing you know, you get the bigger limbs. Next thing you know, the fire's roaring like it was last night. 
starting a fire without a match. Inside every one of you, if today you find yourself piled under ashes, inside every one of you is an ember. God sees it. Jesus knows it. And the Spirit wants to blow on it. This is how we ask the Spirit to blow on one another's embers. I ask you seriously. Man, I'm not going to ever force anybody to do anything. But I ask you seriously to do this. For your sake, for the church's sake, and for the sake of the kingdom. Because as we share these with each other, we're asking the Spirit to blow on those embers of life that He's planted in us so that His fire might burn.